Welcome back to another episode of Rent Free. I am your host, Drew Vandemore, and this week I'm joined by a great friend of mine, Brian Holstein. Brian is an Ohio State fan that grew up in Pinehurst, North Carolina. If you recall one of our earlier guests, Devin Howlett, who was a Michigan fan, they grew up together. So we rib a little bit about that and discuss the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, as well as get into a discussion about you know his Ohio State fandom and how that came to be. We had a preview of the Ohio State-Nebraska game, which took place last week, and I'll provide a recap of how that turned out at the end. We dive into that game, as well as some thoughts on the Ohio State team and what they're looking for moving forward for the rest of the season as well. Brian is a great friend of mine, like I mentioned, and I'm really excited to be participating in his wedding next summer in Richmond, Virginia. Shout out to Brian and his engagement. His fiance Taylor is excellent as well. Really happy for him and really appreciate him taking the time to come on the podcast today. Without further ado, Brian Holstein. I'm now joined by a very special guest, a close friend of mine, Brian Holstein out of Richmond, Virginia. Brian, how's it going? What's up, brother? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's a little chilly here tonight in Charlotte. We're recording actually before the Ohio State-Nebraska game on Wednesday, November 3rd. And it is sub fifty degrees here in North Carolina. I did not sign up for this. I don't know about you. I don't want to hear it, dude. I mean, I'm only up in Richmond, but we're forty three degrees and oh a little God. chilly. Going south tomorrow, though. So hopefully, hopefully get some sunshine and maybe get some golf down in Pinehurst this weekend. Yeah, Brian is from Pinehurst. For those that listened to the episode with Devin Howitt, Devin and Brian grew up together in Pinehurst, and Devin obviously was a Michigan fan, and Brian was the Ohio State fan of that friend group and has clearly had the the more fun the last few years watching football with one another. Do you guys ever watch that game together? Never watched a game together. We just, I mean, it is literally my favorite time of the year when I get to just chirp and chirp and chirp at these boys because, I mean, I've never heard somebody just get so worked up about something that I could just say the smallest thing. Like, for example, the other day when we were talking I was I was chirping at him about them hiding behind the curtain of their uh, of their academic prowess and everything. So Michigan can't sign as many five stars as Ohio State because their academic you know applications and everything to get into the university are so much higher than everybody else in in the big you know forty year decision right you know that's 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 the reason why they go eight and four or nine and three and you know can't get over that hump you know that's that's Harbaugh's issue, why he can't win a big game. I mean, at the end of the day, like, let's be honest. I mean, they're just not that good. Well, I tell you what, as a Nebraska fan, I would <laughs> probably be in, in, their, in their shoes right now. And so, uh, well, uh, look, but, look at, the, at the end of the day, you guys out hit everybody that you play. That's true. As, it was more physical football team. We're close. <laughs> when, it, when it turns, it's going to turn hard. And, you know, <laughs> actually, I was reading an article earlier. It's amazing. Nebraska's outscored. Their power five opponents they played this year by 16 points and it's one in six in those games. So that's kind of wow. a wild, wild statistical. How's, how's that work? I don't know. I have to go back to the Omaha World Herald and, <laughs> and, and, and double up on that. But it's, yeah, it's a pretty insane. Pretty insane Scott, Scott Frost has got to keep his job somehow. Yes. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think so. But the, uh, <laughs> they, they interviewed Ted Carter today, University of Nebraska assistant president, and, and they, asked him basically point blank what he thought about the football program. And he said it, the, they'll know the direction of the program soon after the season. So that doesn't sound 
too uh, enticing for Scott Frost. But we got Brian in today, like I said, excited to talk about it. So Brian, obviously, I mentioned he's an Ohio State fan. We're going to dive into a bunch of different stuff. We'll talk about Brian growing up, cheering for the Buckeyes, family connection to, to the Buckeyes in Ohio, and where that came from and what it was like growing up watching all the success. And then we'll dive into the game itself, do a little preview of the, of the game and what we can expect on Saturday. And then talk a little as well about the college football playoff rankings and maybe what Brian thinks the Buckeyes have in store for the rest of the year. So actually maybe Brian, let's just start there. The the rankings came out on Tuesday last yeah. night and yeah. Ohio State is the first team outside of the top four uh, ranked fifth. Your opinion, do you think that's too low, too high, just about right? What were you expecting? I mean, look, at the end of the day, I understand why we're five, why Oregon's ahead of us. And we're going to, you know, build our own path. You know, if we if we beat Michigan State, we beat Michigan, you know, Nebraska this weekend. We have we have to win out. You play your game, you play what's in front of you, and you and, and you make it to where you need to be. But Oregon, that that whole game when, when I mean, week two was just absolutely insane. You know, I – didn't feel really good sitting down watching the game, but uh, you know, didn't think they were going to come out looking like the best team that's ever played college football. Do you um, think that? Can I? I want to. Oregon obviously is ranked fourth. Yeah, and they've lost to Stanford, which is a much worse loss than Ohio State has. <laughs> Alabama is ranked second, and they've lost to Texas A and M, which, if you're going by just the rankings, is a worse loss than what Ohio State has. Do you think Ohio State is maybe being unfairly punished for losing the one game, considering how they've looked since that game has happened? Look, I mean, I think that the SEC gets a lot of praise for, you know, what they are or what they have been. I mean, granted, they've won a ton of national championships, but it looks like the committee is really leaning on that head-to-head record from what I can tell. And, you know, everything will play out how it's supposed to play out. You know, I think that all this chatter about Cincinnati being the best team in Ohio and doing all this stuff is just, you know, it's just to get Ohio State fans riled up. Nobody likes nobody likes Ohio State fans because Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, 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 mean I, I I can vouch for that. I put po- I poke fun at you guys all the time in our in our group chat. You know, you 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 brush it right off. You're like, whatever. At the end of the day, the win-loss records all that matters and, you know, if you if, if you make it to a playoff and, you know, you win some games and you know, Ohio State's been really fortunate to to land some really good good players and you know got lucky with Justin Fields, obviously. And you know, even prior to that, like the the two thousand two, two thousand three season when they won the national championship, like I don't know, they weren't supposed to be that be that good. Maurice Claret as a freshman just, you know, kinda became a freak. And, you know, Craig Krenzel, who the who the hell's Craig Krenzel, you know? Like yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> guy guy was a freak that year. And then you got Michael Jenkins who ended up Kind of the same way, and then from there is when really Ohio State's built their program. You you went to 2014 when you know, Urban really led that team, and then you go the next year, and they have basically the same team, and it's a letdown year. Lose to Michigan yeah. State in the rain, and Zeke gets 11 carries, and you're like, "What the hell's going on today?" I mean, it's, it's just it, Ohio State's a weird a weird program, but the expectations are always high to always win the national championship every year, and if that doesn't happen. You know, after week two losing to Oregon, I'm just sitting there thinking like, shit, we're done, you know, but here we are ranked fifth and I'm happy. I guess I just, to me, and that's great insight and background. It's just, to me, it's, it's almost a little hypocritical in the sense that 
you know, I, I don't really have a problem giving Alabama the benefit of the doubt, if you will, right? Like they've proven themselves over the course of, you know, Nick Saban's entire tenure to be an elite team. They've got elite players across the board. You know, they've got, I think it's five or six wins over teams that are 500 or better. So clearly they've got a, a great profile. I think what sort of bothers me as a, a supporter of a Big Ten team, and obviously, you know, like I said, I, I rib you a lot about Ohio State, but also I tend to cheer for them in these sort of national situations like the playoff is I don't see the same level of like criticism or punishment being applied to that Texas A&M loss that Alabama had. I mean, I know it's on the road. They were on the road, but Alabama was an 18 and a half point favorite in that game. Yeah. And, and yeah. people sort of just brush it off. And I guess like I'm sorry, I'm seeing stuff now. People are even saying, you know, well, if Bama wins out and gets the SEC title game and loses a close one to Georgia, you know, they're still going to get him with two losses. And I'm like, if Ohio State can't get in playing in the Big Ten with two losses, or, you know, we're not even talking about two Big Ten teams essentially getting in between a one-loss Michigan or a one-loss Michigan State. Like, I don't know. To me, that's – it's a little hypocritical. So I'm glad that you're happy with where Ohio State is at, and I'm glad that you – obviously, you know, you guys control your own destiny when you're in, but – I think just as an impartial observer, if you will, I get a little peeved watching the inconsistent uh, logic that gets applied. To <laughs> I mean, well, look, dude, I mean, those those rankings came out yesterday and like half the, I mean, the first half of the ranking show, I'm just sitting there like, what the fuck is going through the committee's mind? <laughs> I mean, we were talking, you and I were talking and there's a couple of teams. It was like, it was like Wisconsin popped up and then Minnesota popped up. And then Mississippi state to me was the one that was just like, Oh my, they're like 29th in the AP poll. They're not, yeah. they're like not even the first team receiving votes and they're 17th in the playoff rankings. Yeah. Insane. I mean, that, that one's pretty wild. I mean, like the rest of the teams, I feel like, the top 10 was laid out proper. I think Oklahoma was a little shocked to everybody. We always lean on like, hey, those those teams like A&M or Minnesota for Ohio State's case, like they may be there because, you know, they, they're trying to boost resumes for, for the Blue Bloods, we'll call yeah. it. Yeah, you no, know? I, think, I think it's a very fair point. I think it's a very fair point. Let's dive in a little bit. I want to get into, you know, you started mentioning – mentioning some of those earlier Ohio State teams, I want to sort of just dive into like maybe some of your earliest memories, even yeah. watching college football. Like was it always Ohio State centric for you and your family or just like how did that, how did you even get involved in watching football in the first place? And then maybe, maybe when did you get involved watching Ohio State? Yeah. I mean, so my earliest memory of football, ironically, is I'm trying to think it was, Early 2000s, Ohio or Michigan, Ohio State game, watching that game with my dad. Um, and I'll get into, you know, the history of where I became an Ohio State fan. But my earliest memories watching that game with him. And I can't remember the running back's name, and it'll come to me at some point. But uh, he ran all over us that whole game. And that is the last, like, real game, other than the year that, that Ohio State was on you know, probation for bullshit tattoo gate and everything, which wouldn't even happen these days. But um, that's the only loss I can remember that Michigan ever gave Ohio State, and they just ran all over us that game. And I think it was like Trestle's maybe first or second year. I remember coming in and, you know, I was playing golf that morning, coming in and being super pumped for that game and just like, I probably was probably like 11 or 12 years old and just crying my eyes out. Like, what the hell's going on here? 
It could, and, and honestly, it might have been the year after the national championship. So that's why I was so pumped up about it. I mean, my earliest memory was watching that national championship game. I mean, I was like 10 or 11 years old watching that game and found it. But the reason why I'm a big Ohio State fan is my dad was actually, you know, recruited to play at Ohio State, was a cornerback, and uh, I think it was quarterfinals of the Ohio. Um, state football playoffs broke his femur bone so actually never never played was in a body cast for about a year and never played I mean this was the late 60s early 70s and never played it down football again I mean he was in a body cast for four or five months and then you know never never played again so he still went to Ohio State graduated from Ohio State and carried on that with me I mean to the point where my dog's name's Archie Griffin, so that's how deep our 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 ties to Ohio State go. What's it? And that's that's awesome perspective. And I want to I want to dive a little bit more into the Ohio State Michigan stuff because I think it's fascinating to me. What's that like around your guys' house every year? And obviously now you know you've got a fiance and you sort of indoctrinated her as well into the Ohio State stuff. But yeah. Every year on Thanksgiving, like that, you know, that game comes up. You guys are, you know, has anybody ever tried to plan anything when that game's supposed to be going on? Or has anybody ever tried to get you away while that's going on? And you have to be like, hey, like, sorry, I can't go. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, I mean, I was a golf pro for like 12 years. And, you know, on Sundays after Thanksgiving or Saturdays after Thanksgiving, I just let the boys know. I was like, hey, I won't be here today, you know, or I'm leaving at 11 o'clock because I got shit to do. Right. I probably I don't think I've missed a game since probably I was six or seven years old, maybe even earlier than that. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't really have those memories from that young, but I haven't missed a game for as long as I can remember. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, just okay. one of those things that's always circled on your calendar. It's like no matter what's happening that day count me out like my fiance's family is a huge huge virginia cavalier family and same day is virginia virginia tech game and you know when that game's at home her dad's always like hey you come to the game i'm like joe you know you know the answer to that like <laughs> I'm like taylor can come but uh <laughs> you, guys have fun. you guys have fun honestly take her with you because i don't like her to be me in my in my deepest darkest like worst times <laughs> and you'll be uh Interested to know, I, I don't even think I told you this, this past Saturday, I skipped a Nebraska game for the first time. Jeez, um, I can't even remember the last time I missed a Nebraska game. I mean, weddings, I was watching on phones or whatever. I, I literally can't remember the last time I didn't watch. Instead, <laughs> I, went, I, went to, I went to Winston-Salem and watched Wake Forest play Duke, and I had a great time and did whatever. My brother was texting me the the updates of the game, and I, I literally looked and turned to my friends and said, thank God I'm not watching this shit. So yeah, yeah, I, fair I, enough. I, I, I will watch a little bit on TV too on Saturday, but my emotions are drained out of it at this point. So you talked about growing up, you know, Ohio State fan, and obviously the impact on Thanksgiving plans and all that kind of stuff. Um, you did your undergrad, though, at NC State. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about, like, process of you know maybe like looking at colleges did you look at ohio state was that something you wanted to do obviously you grew up in north carolina so yeah you know, so like stuff. as i mentioned i was a golf pro um golf pro in the sense that uh didn't play professionally i i gave it a try gave it a look and quickly realized after about five events that uh wasn't good enough but well that's that's a story for another day but uh Went to NC State for their professional golf management program, 
um, was a, you know, golf professional at a country club. And it was a great program, great pristine program. And it was accredited by the PGA. Now, Ohio State has that that program. However, it's not accredited by the PGA. So I would basically have to do double work at that point. That's the main reason why I didn't go there. I could have gone there. I uh, applied, got in, you know, and you know, even thought about it just anyway. But uh, decided to go to NC State, do what I wanted to do. And, you know, I'm still in the golf business these days, just in a kind of a different, different form. But um, that's the main reason why I went to NC State. And NC State was awesome. Like, it's a D1 school, had a great time. You know, went to a lot of football games, saw him upset Florida State on a Thursday night when Jameis was there, actually. But yeah. it was it was fun. You know, we had a great time. And, um, you know, NC State, I wouldn't trade, trade it for the world. But, you know, I always found time to, maybe not every year, but if I hadn't gone to a game in a while, I would go to a game up yeah. in the shoe, you know, yeah. and uh, find a way to see Ohio State. Ironically, one of the first, I think it was the third time I've been to the shoe, maybe the second time was the year after we won the national championship. So it was 2003-2004 season against NC State. Really? Ironically. Yeah, that's, that's, really that's funny. Yeah. yeah. So I went and it was Phillip Rivers and T.A. McClendon and went to three overtimes in the shoe. And, you know, like T.A. McClendon stopped on the goal line in the third overtime. And I mean, Phillip Rivers was a god. He was something special when he was at NC State. Like, granted, he had six kids when he was when he was a senior at NC State. But like, What's he got now? 12, 13, 14? Yeah, something like that is ridiculous. <laughs> but cool. anyway, it's, yeah. But anyway, he it was it was unbelievable time. Like every time you go to the shoe, you're never disappointed. It doesn't matter if you're playing Nebraska or if you're playing uh, you know, Akron, whatever it may be. You know, I was gonna trash Nebraska and say like you're playing Nebraska or like Michigan or something, but <laughs> but anyway, anyway, it's uh, it's always a good time. It's a beautiful place to put to see. The crowd's always great. It's not quiet like that place up north. So it sounds like you know. Obviously, you enjoyed your time at at NC State. Do you follow or cheer for the pack at all? I mean, obviously, maybe not as much as you do the, the Buckeyes, but do you still follow them at all? Yeah, I definitely get shit about not following them as as close as Ohio State, but. You know, it's it's the way I was bred. I still follow them. I know I know what their team's like. I know who who they who they're playing every week. I know what their what their games are going to be like. I know I, I follow their recruiting, but it's definitely my heart is still scarlet and gray. It's red and red and white's close close second, but uh, you know, same colors never hurt anybody. Are you you're so if you're in Charlottesville and it's NC State versus UVA, are you showing up in a NC State shirt or are you showing up in a UVA shirt? Absolutely, I'm showing up in an NC State shirt. I love I've been it. To, I love I've, it. I've been to a ton. Like, been to a ton. Like NC State and UVA play in basketball every year, and I mean they may not play football every year, but they definitely play basketball every year usually. Yeah. And um, so we always always go to that game, and you know I I sit right next to my fiance's dad, my future father-in-law, and you know we just talk shit. Usually we get our asses kicked because UVA is a freaking powerhouse in basketball, but you know, I've never seen a NC State football game in Charlottesville, but I think in the next couple of years I will be able to see one. That's awesome. Well, as a quick aside, your NC State Wolfpack play my Demon Deacons at a pretty big game next weekend, so maybe we'll maybe we'll trip a little bit about that one too. But let's dive into um, the Nebraska Ohio State game. So, um, you know, why don't you start? start? Why don't you give me give me your thoughts of where where you think the game's going to go? Yeah, you know, I actually was 
um, when the line opened, I think it opened at 14 and a half for Ohio State. It's 14 and a half point. Yeah, favorite. sounds right. Favorite somewhere in there. I actually was, I thought that was kind of low. The last two first halves that Nebraska and Ohio State have played in Lincoln, it's a combined score of 73 to nothing for Ohio State. I'm pretty sure Ohio State's punted twice in the last two games. <laughs> Honestly, like, Drew, I'm, I, just, I'm just glad it's not, it's not a night game. Oh, I'm, I'm extremely happy. And, you know, part of me, you're going to laugh. Part of me has talked myself into this being a letdown spot. So I'm like, oh, you know, Penn State game last week. They had, you know, the night game. They had Herbie and, and Fowler on the call. It was a big win. They got to go play this team that they've kicked the shit out of the last few years on the road at 11 a.m. local time. It's going to be cold and gray. Like, bigger games coming up on the schedule. Like, Part of me has talked myself into that. And the thing is, the other part of this is Nebraska has not lost a game by double digits all season. And so despite – That is a wild lost, stat. I, I yeah. actually didn't realize that. Yeah. So despite having lost a bunch of games, like the – you know, they played Oklahoma. They lost by a touchdown. They played Michigan and lost by a field goal. They played Michigan State, didn't give up a first down the entire second half and lost by a field goal in overtime. Um, they've lost Pause for a second. Let me let me ask you a question. Oklahoma. Yeah. Should, they, should you guys play every year? I want it so bad. Like I, I do, Brian. It's so funny you mentioned that, man. Because you know, back before Oklahoma and Texas joined the SEC, there was you follow this like I do. There was all these rumblings that like potentially them in Kansas could join the Big Ten or they would potentially be interested in joining the Big Ten in some capacity. And I was so excited because I was like, that means Nebraska and Oklahoma can play on Black Friday again. I don't know how many people that are listening to this know this, but Nebraska and Oklahoma used to play on Black Friday every year. That's why Nebraska plays on Black Fridays because they used to play Oklahoma every year. And they're big-time rivals. And obviously the game has, you know, it hasn't been played consistently since the Big 12 was formed or divisions were formed. But if you talk to certain people associated with those schools, there is still that big-time rivalry associated with it amongst those people. And what I loved about the rivalry being a Nebraska fan is it was always built on respect. Like in the same way that you guys really despise Michigan, but like Deep down, nobody will ever admit this, so I'll just say it for you guys. Like, you both respect each other, and that's why you're such great rivals. Oh, I'll say it, dude. I mean, like, geez, two, two of my best friends are Michigan fans. Right. It's like you both them, you they're, respect them. But they're a little brother at the end of the day. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, think, I think I saw I, – I, I, they're going to kill me for saying this. I don't know the exact stat, but I think I saw Michigan State's ones in like 10 and last 13 against Michigan, which is just crazy. But – um, so let me let me get back to your Nebraska Oklahoma thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. The answer, the, the short answer is yes. I I think they absolutely should play every year, and I just think it's a general shame that as we've progressed into this conference realignment thing, where the conferences are bloating and adding more teams, and people are chasing television money and you know more consistent competition. Like I get it. It's just a shame that we lose games like Nebraska, Oklahoma, and obviously we'll be getting Texas, Texas A&M back. But, you know, Missouri, Kansas is another one of those. And 
there's a few other ones as well. And, you know, I'm sure even for you, like before we jump back into the Nebraska preview game, even with the Big Ten adding these teams, like you're playing Maryland and Rutgers every year now instead of playing two traditional Big Ten teams. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's just a weird, like, it's just a weird thing. For sure. For sure. I mean, like when that whole, when that whole conference realignment start happened, I mean, like, I don't think that Rutgers and Maryland were really on our radar. I mean, like it was up to me. I, I think that, I mean, we've, we've talked about this before. It's, you know, I would have added, you know, like Pitt and, you know, call it Iowa state or Oklahoma or, you know, when it blew my friggin' mind when Oklahoma and Texas, Texas went to the SEC, it was like, maybe perfect for the big 10. Like they're that's, that's their motto. I get it. Like fuck the SEC. Well, I'm going to, I'm just going to put that out there. Now continue with what you're saying. Like I'll leave it. No, no, I mean, you're, you're right. And it's like, you know, I just, um, it's such a weird thing with the expansion and the more bloated, like I said, these conferences become with other teams. It's a shame that, you know, when, when the big 10 was expanding last time, it was more about the, cable networks and they were just chasing pure population bases rather than you know what you were talking about which is actual fits cultural geographical competitive right. the league now it's what it's about but nobody can match what the revenue share is and so they're not going to add anybody so it's just yeah. it is what it is and it's unfortunate but diving back into the nebraska Oklahoma, yeah we'll go back to that tangent in the offseason we'll have that conversation we'll have that conversation on the offseason i'll have you back on once the buckeyes win the title and we can talk about Talk about that. I love. I love. I love to hear that. We gotta get. So, we gotta get through. We gotta get through Nebraska this week. That's true. That's true. So, yeah. So you know, seventy-three nothing in the in the last two first halves that Ohio State's played in Lincoln in favor of the Buckeyes. I will say this Nebraska team, despite all the losses, to me is still playing hard. They are practicing hard. They are, I think, trying to fight for their coach. I think they're pretty flawed offensively, and that's what you know tends to be the death knell every time. You look at the Ohio State or the Oklahoma game; they had a chance to go tie it, and you know they can't move the ball. They get two sacks at the end of lose. And with the Michigan game, the game's tied. They have a chance to go went down, kick a game-winning field goal. You know, Martinez gets stripped at the forty, and they they yeah. field goal. Yes. Um. So if you ask me just purely high level, what am I expecting for the game? I actually Nebraska I'm expecting for Nebraska to compete for a quarter and a half. Like I would expect I would expect would I be shocked if from a Nebraska man perspective, would I be totally stunned if it's twelve forty seven PM on Saturday, Eastern time, and I look over at my TV two and I see Ohio State seventeen, Nebraska seven? But like late in the second quarter, like no, yeah, Not really. no, I, 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 that's that's kind of how our year has been going. To be completely honest, I mean, yeah. like Penn State was kind of a, the anomaly this year for us. You know, they their defense really showed up, and and you know we we were one for six on touchdowns in the red zone um, last week, and you know that's going to have to change. And I, and I have faith in Ryan Day to to kind of fix that throughout this week and you know at the end of the day like what a lot of people don't realize is that Ohio State like is starting a lot of underclassmen this year you know and that's that's really positive when you think about it like for from from my standpoint it's like 
shit, we're one of the best teams in the country with, you know, I don't, I don't know how it's laid out or what the, what the actual numbers are. Um, but, uh, you know, like a lot of our skill players are underclassmen. Yeah. We're going to lose a lot of wide receivers, but there's still four or five more wide receivers that are freshmen or sophomore that are going to step up and be like, Hey, here we are. Like, and I know we talk, we talk a lot about this and it's, it's, you know, Ohio state does, does sign really good recruiting classes and they have really good recruiters. Like bringing Brian Hartline onto our team was unbelievable. Like, yeah. Like that guy is, I mean, him and Larry Johnson, like they should, they should be paid more than, more than any other assistant coach in the country. But with that being said, those underclassmen make mistakes, right? So that's why these games have been so close. And, um, you know, we look back and, you know, we look back at the Minnesota game. That was a game. Minnesota, yeah, they're ranked 20th in the college football playoff. Should they be? Probably not. But, Oregon, you know, underclassmen are still learning. Stroud threw for 484 yards, but it wasn't a good, good game. You know, like it's hard to say that a guy throws for 500 yards and it's not a great game for him. But well, talk to me, talk to me a little bit about the Oregon game led to some defensive adjustments, right, for Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, like, all right, so we've been we've been yelling at Kerry Coombs for years, or since he really took over, and like, I mean is his defense been one dimensional dude like he didn't didn't change schemes didn't do this didn't do that and then you know we come in we change we change up the play callers and we do all that stuff and you know we we start seeing some good defense you know we see freshmen like you know Tyreek Smith stepping up and you know he's he's been a force a force on the D-line you know you you return Askel Garrett you know you return Tyreek Smith two guys that could have been drafted last year, but decided to stay. That's unbelievable. You know, we got some, I mean, Zach Harrison's still there. We signed, you know, Jack Sawyer and, and JT. And, you know, we have freshmen starting at, at cornerback and, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy year. And, you know, the expectations were there obviously, but, you know, the adjust, the adjustments and just teaching these guys more than anything are the, are the adjustments that make them learning actual you know Haskell and Tyreek stepping up and saying hey this is how we play boys you know like we're not we're not here to give up 500 yards to Tulsa okay like we're fucking Ohio State we're here we're a force like we're we're here to win games so maybe for those Nebraska fans that that don't know a ton about Ohio State maybe if you just don't watch the game you know lobby tend to watch out of Nebraska or, or, or whatever it may be who are some of those guys on defense? You mentioned a few names, Tyreek Smith, you know, Haskell Garrett. Are those kind of the stars of the defense, or who should Nebraska fans be concerned about most on Saturday? You know, one that's been that's been kind of under the radar is Ben Denzel Burke, cornerback, freshman cornerback. You know, he's let's I mean, if we look back at Ohio State over the past three, four years, he's been getting lit up by Opposing quarterbacks, you know that's you look. You think about it. That's that's the reason why we lost Trevor Lawrence in you know 2019, I guess, and beat shit out of him last year. Fuck him. But anyway, it's uh, it like we. That's the reason why we've we've lost games and why we've given up so many yards because of our secondary. And you know, it's the the secondary starting to show up and it's young and it's good. And Denzel Burke has really stepped up as a freshman. 
being the number one corner, covering the number one guy, kind of floating on an island. And, you know, if, if, uh, if Martinez wants to throw the ball, he's going to throw it against, throw it, you know, against him more than anything. And, you know, the D line is going to be a force. Like they rotate, you know, seven, eight guys and they're going to be, they're going to come at you. You know, we may only rush four every down, you know, but when we bring five or six, it's, you know, you saw it against Penn state. It's, you know, yeah, and Nebraska's had a, a myriad of offensive line issues. Their their best left tackle was a, a true freshman, Teddy Proshka, who uh, had a season-ending injury the week the week of the Michigan game, and so um, you know he was unable to he's unable to go. And they've had some struggles. They've had some highly rated guys, actually pretty similar to the struggles you mentioned on the Ohio State defense, where you maybe had a lot of highly rated guys that were trying to learn how to play and learn how to fit in. You know, Nebraska's got four-star left tackle, uh, Turner Corcoran, or four-star right tackle, Bryce Benhart. They're both really struggling. Corcoran's been hurt all year and trying to play through an injury. Benhart is honestly not meant to play tackle, probably needs to move inside, but they don't have anybody else to replace him, so he's playing out of position. And, you know, I think I think that defensive line of Ohio State, like you mentioned, is, is primed for a big day, and, you know, even if Martinez does get time to throw, it sounds like maybe the secondary for Ohio State should be uh, should be a stiff challenge as well. So I, I, I hope I hope. Look, I'm not I'm not guaranteeing that by any means because you know we can definitely be get got as as they say. But uh, you know it's it starts with the front seven, and if the front seven can control the game and you know see where it goes, then you know give get some pressure on Martinez early, then. You know, the game may, the game may, the trend may continue, but, you know, like, look, I watch Ohio State games. Yes, I want to relax, but at the same time, I love when my blood pressure gets going. Yeah, I mean, it's, if you love when your blood pressure gets going, you should become a Nebraska fan because it happens, it happens pretty much every week. So, look, dude, I think I'll pass, but, but I appreciate the offer. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely pass. I wish I could. <laughs> uh, so maybe let's flip, let's flip sides of the ball now. So. We talked about Ohio State defensively. Maybe when Nebraska is on defense and Ohio State is on offense, you know Nebraska strengthens their defense, probably the defensive line as well. They've got a ton of old guys there, and they rotate in some folks. Don't have a great pass rusher, but really, really stout up front against the run. Ben Stilley is an All Big Ten level player. Damian Daniels has been playing like an All Big Ten nose tackle. Ty Robinson's a big, you know, six seven. 300 pound plus guy. What is Ohio State trying to do on offense? What is their sort of identity? And who are some of the guys that Nebraska fans should know as well as the offensive side of the ball? I think there's three obvious ones, maybe four, but I'm going to start with the true freshman, Travion Henderson, and talk about how, I mean, he's just an absolute freak. Like, and Mayan Williams and Master T kind of fighting for the job early in the year. And I mean, they're great running backs. Master T's been out a couple of weeks, but in Mayan's still getting carries. But Travion's really set himself apart. I mean, the guy's got 14 touchdowns on the year. Like he's he's a freak show. Hey, I mean, from the Richmond area to represent, you know, like yeah, he's went to Hopewell. Um, you know, good good player. Like all obviously a great number one running back out of the country country last year you know and just you didn't expect him to be this ready you know he took all of his senior year of high school off 
didn't play a snap. I mean, it was COVID year, didn't play a snap. You know what he did for Ohio State is he actually recruited very well for Ohio State. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, he he brought a lot of guys on. I think he put a lot of work in. You know, there's nothing, there's no, you know, there's nothing that you can say that he, you know, did on record. But, you know, behind the scenes, he was doing a lot of work because he wants to, he wants to, you know, win wherever, whatever level he's at. But anyway, you know, the guy is, the guy's kind of a freak. You know, he's, as a freshman, he's averaging 7.9 yards a game. Insane. He's actually got 15 touchdowns on a year total, um, 12 rushing, three receiving. But it's, you watch him and he's just got another speed when he hits, when he hits the hole. And like, he's shifty. He, he honestly, I mean, I don't like comparing, comparing running backs to another, but like he has that, he's, he's got a little bit of Zeke. He's got a little bit of Carlos. He's got a little bit of, you know, Antonio Pittman, if we're going to go super deep or Boone Heron, like got a little bit of everybody, you know, I don't want to leave Beanie out either. Beanie was a freak though too, but you know, he's got, he's, he's got a little bit of everybody, um, which is awesome. And then, you know, they're three deep at running back, which is great, but then you even go, go out to, you know, the receivers and where should I start there? You know, it's, uh, a room full of NFL receivers, you know, five-star number one receiver in the 2019 class, Julian Fleming, doesn't even get doesn't even get snaps. You know, it's it's that good, which is which is insane. You know, freshman Marvin Harrison Jr. is in the room. You know, you got the two best receivers in the country, and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, and you know they're they're so good that Alabama's best receiver transferred there. Which is yeah. Like, it's all, it was, that room is unbelievable. I mean, it's literally unbelievable. I, you that's the, that, it goes back to what I said about Brian Hardline. He's just yeah. an absolute like he was built. He was built to coach this team, and he actually came out today and said he could never, never envision himself leaving Ohio State, which made me quite, quite a happy person. I can imagine. I can imagine. And so you mentioned the receiving core and, and obviously Ohio state's got a tremendous running back and ground game as well, but maybe just touch a little bit on how CJ Stroud has grown. I mean, obviously we all saw him in the first game against Minnesota. And I think a lot of people maybe overreacted to a, you know, a first start on the road in a big 10 game in the first game of the season. How has he sort of grown ever since that game? And really even since, you know, taking the game off to, to rest his shoulder. Yeah, I don't even know if it was an overreaction. I mean, he was bad. Like, he was, I mean, he wasn't bad, but he was coming into being in a program for two years. Granted, his, his only, you know, touch in, in, in college was a 60-yard run, but that he scored for a touchdown, but I won't gloat on that. But, like, he never thrown a pass before, and you got to give those guys some time. Yeah, we... He had he had a lot of pressure on him, and you know his his miss early in really the first three or four games was was high. So much of people talking down about him and doubting him, and you know wondering if he is the guy. Like you're you're looking at Twitter and you're like, where's Quinn Ewers? Well, the guy the guy hasn't even you know made truly made the team yet, but not even traveling with the team. And I think he'll 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 come out of it. Quinn will come out of it, but CJ's the guy. At the end of the day, he's he's really developed into a good thrower. He's he's making smarter decisions. The one thing that I'd like to see him do more is probably use his feet a little bit more. He tends to be shy to to go across the line. 
there's times where I see him on a bootleg where he'll try and force the throw and he's got 10 yards in front of him open to just get the, get the yardage, get the down, you know? And, uh, that's, that's the one, one thing that I'd like to see out of him more, but you know, it's, uh, he's, he's developed into a great quarterback and I think he's, he's where he needs to be. And, you know, really drew like going back to talking about the wide receiver room, like not saying you and I could be Heisman candidates and, and playing quarterback there, but I think we could throw for a couple of yards every game. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And so, you know, lastly, as it relates to, to the game itself, I'm going to ask you to give me maybe a, a prediction and I'll, I'll start and then I'll let you have the, the floor. So, you know, I, like I said it earlier, I could see this game being relatively close for about a quarter and a half. I could see it mid to late second quarter being 17-7 Ohio State. And I could see Nebraska having the ball on, call it their Ohio State 41-yard line. And I could see Nebraska trying to run some sort of play-action pass deep and their tackle getting beat and Martinez getting strip-sacked and some mm-hmm. dude from Ohio State scooping the ball, running it back for a touchdown. And then I could see the final score wind up being something along the lines of 45-52 or 52 to like 17. So I'll give you the floor, but that's sort of where my, my head is at as it relates to this game. I think that the I think the final score is like probably pretty close to what what I would think of. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a I'm a pretty pessimistic fan when it comes to these kind of games. But I'll put this out there. I think that I think that Ryan's going to have the boys. The day's going to have the boys ready. Um, considering what the offense did last week, like Penn State's got a good defense. Let's let's not discount that at all. But I think he's going to have the boys ready and. You know, the defense is going to be ready. Like you said, there's going to be two ways that it plays out. I think that, you know, Frost Frost may call a good, good, you know, have have some good plays that are written up to to start the game on offense. If if Nebraska has a chance to keep the game close, it is going to have to, they're just going to have to score points on our defense, make our defense look silly. Because I think that the offense is just going to, there's a good chance the offense could put up 70. There's a good chance the offense could put up 45, 50, but I don't think it's any less than that. Now, does the defense trend the right way? I hope so, because that's <laughs> that plays into the playoff futures. But, you know, like there's there's definitely a chance for Nebraska to put up 30 points. You know, it's 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 not out of the realm of possibility because, you know, it just depends who shows up. And we all know that, that our defense is kind of gettable. So, and if it if it's trending the, the the way that it's been going the past few games, then yeah, great. Like, I think I think the the game will be like you said, 52-17, 52-14, somewhere in that realm. But you know, it could also it could also be a lot closer than that. Yeah. Either way, yeah. the over's going to hit. So, yeah, take, that's the important thing. That's the take, important thing. Take, take the over. What's what's the line? Is it sixteen and a half? The game spread is, I think, 15 right now. Okay. Uh, um, I I actually don't have the – here, one second. It's, I think it opened at, like, 14 or 15 and has kind of gone one way. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking actually – I'm looking at the total. I'm going to call it at 63. All right, hold on. Let me get this. Yeah, so the game line is at 15 right now, and you're all over the, the total. The, the game total is 65. It actually opened at 66 and a half and is down to 65. So look like and that, some early. 
some early money is is going to be very disappointed when they uh, don't take our our over here. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, like I think that there will be points scored. I mean, it, at the at the end of the day, Ohio State could cover that themselves, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think that I always joke with you about this, but I, think, I mean, Frost Frost hits hard, dude. I mean, like his his defense has always hit hard. I mean, that's 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 what it is. It's what we're known for. We're known for going to the big house and out hitting Wolverines. So. You know, I mean, it's uh, it, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun game to watch. I hope for all of us, we can chirp back and forth. I hope, uh, I hope my Buckeyes pull it out, and you know, I get to, you know, I get to tend to the smoker in the second half versus versus just let it sit in the first half, and uh, you know, see how it goes. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure you'll be able to to go see that smoker and, and tend it pretty comfortably. I'll be, <laughs> like I said, I'll I'll have the Wake Forest game on the main screen and i'll have the uh, nebraska game on the small screen so I'll, I'll be opposite of you i'll still have the wake forest game on because because they're playing they're playing my wolf pack but it'll no 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 or, sorry sorry playing. next week next week next week next week they're playing the tar heels this week that's right that's right well i'll still watch that I'll, I'll actually be pulling for the beacons this week i I miss so, it. So. There's some rumblings. There's some rumblings that Deeks might host uh, game day against uh, NC State next weekend if both teams win this weekend. So that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah, that could be kind of fun. Wild, uh, wild thing is, I've actually been to more Wake Forest games this year than any other team's games. So it's uh, that's a, that's a wild stat. It is, and we and I saw you there, and and I was grateful to see you there. I look forward to obviously seeing you here uh, whenever we see you next. But Brian, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to hop on the pod tonight. This was just a ton of fun, man. And obviously, good luck this weekend. Hope no, nobody gets hurt, and I hope we can enjoy it. And obviously, I think we know what's going to happen, but I hope it uh, I hope it winds up being fun for us. So thanks for coming on. I agree, brother. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to see you, and you know, we'll. Uh, I'm sure I'll. I'm sure I'll wake up with a, a little chirp from you at some point tomorrow. Yeah, sounds good, man. Thanks. All right, buddy. Wow. So what an awesome interview with Brian. I mean, I really appreciate him diving into some of his background and just touching on how he became an Ohio State fan to begin with and going to games at the shoe and making that decision to go to NC State and diving into his PGA background and chasing his golf dreams and really touching on a wide variety of subjects. Brian was a little bit off in his prediction, and so was I in the final score as the Buckeyes actually narrowly defeated the Cornhuskers in Lincoln over the weekend, coming out with a 26-17 victory. It was a defensive struggle of sorts for both teams. Nebraska played extremely well on the defensive side of the ball, intercepting quarterback C.J. Stroud two times. And ultimately, you have to wonder what could happen if they had a fully healthy Adrian Martinez and maybe a little bit better play from their offensive line. As we found out yesterday, Scott Frost is going to be coming back for his fifth season in Lincoln, but most of his offensive assistants will not be. Uh, offensive coordinator Matt Lubick, running backs coach Ryan Held, offensive line coach Greg Austin, and quarterbacks coach Mario Verdusco were all let go yesterday. And as a Nebraska fan, that makes me very happy. If you are following the Cornhuskers this year, you're very familiar with their offensive struggles and understand that there might be some schematic changes needed in order to become more efficient in finishing drives in the Big Ten. People forget Nebraska actually has the second best rated offense in terms of yards per game in the Big Ten. The issue is they don't finish inside of the red zone and then their special teams is abysmal. 
I would look for Scott Frost to aggressively fill these roles. They have, you know, $3 million or so to spread across the four roles, and they're going to look for a few things. One, they need to replace the recruiting that's going to be left by Held's departure. I would look at Rashad Samples, the running backs coach out of SMU, as an option to fill there. He's worked with Tom Herman in the past and has very great familiarity with some of those guys at Houston. Uh, when Tom Herman was there working with Greg Ward and some of those guys. And then when he went to Texas with Herman as well, working with guys like Jordan Humphrey and some of those other guys as well. At SMU, he's developed Ulysses Bennett into a fantastic running back. And I believe Bennett had first team all-conference, you know, freshman All-American honors as a freshman. And he's known as an elite level recruiter and a rising star in the business. In addition to samples, I would be interested to see if Coach Frost focuses more on the ground and pound approach versus trying to get it done through the air moving forwards. The offensive line has really struggled in pass protection. You can see that borne out by their PFF grades. And ultimately, I think in order to win in the Big Ten West, Nebraska needs to com commit to really dominating its opponents on the ground and being able to finish drives in the red zone by running the ball to the end zone. It was an ugly week across college football. I mean, whether it was Ohio State or Cincinnati or Alabama struggling with, you know, inferior opponents or even Michigan State losing by double digits to Purdue. This season has been so fun to watch because as a fan, you never know who's going to win from week to week. It feels like everybody has a chance in almost every game. And that's honestly the best part about this whole season. Yes, Georgia seems like they're maybe the best team in the country right now, but, you know, things can change and they're not unbeatable like some of these other teams we've seen in the past, whether it's 2019 LSU or 2020 Alabama or something like that. Ultimately, I think this type of season is really healthy for the sport, and I'm really excited to see how this season winds up. Well, that's it for another great week on Rent Free. This weekend, I'll be going down to Clemson with some of my UConn friends for the UConn-Clemson game. Honestly, I can't wait to go down and I'm excited to tailgate and see what Clemson has in store for a game day. I've been to campus before, but never actually experienced a game day. And so we're definitely looking forward to going down there and seeing the Tigers run down the hill and hopefully see the miracle of the century and get a UConn upset this weekend, November 13th in Clemson. I appreciate you listening. And as always, if you enjoyed, please subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform you're listening to. Until next week, thanks for listening.